I want to show you a video. Tonight I was like, did you mean to do that? And that's a question that you, I want you to start asking yourself a couple times a day. Anything that feels like it's not going well, ask yourself, did I mean to do that? Show that video. But my biggest accomplishment is being willing to give myself a thousand second chances. And every time I got to 999, I press reset. Yeah. I didn't ask permission, I gave notice. Yeah. At some point I have to stop asking, can I be great? Can I be brilliant? Can I be okay and still be accepted? I just stopped asking permission and just gave notice unapologetically, and not in a braggadocious way, not in a way that shrunk anyone else, in right. a way that said, I only got one life and I'm gonna ride this one till the wheels fall off. And then all the other stuff came. Wow. As a result of a decision I made. Right, but it was a decision. You... It was a decision, but it was, and it didn't come from, you know, a motivational experience. It didn't come from a, an inspiring teacher. It came from hitting rock bottom. I struggled all through school. The last time I took English class, I got a fail. And my English teacher said I was the weakest writer she ever met in her entire life. The last time I took a speech class, same year, I got a D minus in speech, and my speech teacher said, Lisa, quote unquote, I recommend you never speak in public that you get a desk job. So that was the beginning of my life. That was, the, that was my 19-year-old experience. And when my son was eight months old, I went to the ATM to get $20 out the bank because I didn't have any Pampers for him. And in order to get $20 out, you got that $20 in. I had $11.42. And I still can't tell the story without getting emotional because it's my story. Mm -hmm. For two days, I had to wrap my son in, in a towel. But something happened, Steve, in those two days. I was at rock bottom. I was broke and I was broken. Inglewood, California, my son laying on his back at eight months. I have a towel over him and I have my hand on his stomach saying, don't you worry, Jelani. Mommy will never be this broke again. And I made a decision, I was bankrupt. And every stinking thinking I had, I was bankrupt and trying to protect my pride. I was bankrupt and trying to be all that in a bag of chips and a bowl of grits falsified. I was bankrupt and trying to not ask anyone for help. I was bankrupt in everything that was holding me and keeping me where I was. I've always talked a good game, but I wasn't doing anything with my gift. And all that thing about potential, I was tired of having potential. I wanted to have my now. And I looked at that baby at eight months and I said, I want to transform your life because you didn't ask to come into this chaos. As an African-American male child in South Central Los Angeles with a single mother whose father's in prison, he had a 66% chance of going to prison himself. Not on my watch. Mm. Not on my watch. So if I have to be willing to drastically transform myself so that I can become the woman that I know I can be. Right. And that's what I began to do. I was radical. I realized I couldn't grow with people who were struggling like me. That whole, I don't want to leave nobody behind. No, I don't want to stay with y'all. Right. You don't even, you don't even want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to be the queen of this block. Yeah. And I became okay with the fact that it doesn't make me any less committed to my community, committed to my culture, committed to my family. The best thing I can do for you is not stay here with you. That's right. When I got that, I went to places I'd never seen before. I went to the same conference 42 times. And there I raised $532,000 in capital 
for my company, to start my dream. And my dream was to transform teen lives. I want to teach teens how to fall madly in love with themselves and how to make integrity-based decisions. And I got it funded and I started working. And that was the beginning of me rescuing myself. I realized that I am my rescue. No one else is my rescue. Mm. I am yeah. my rescue. Yeah, you can clap. Because I want that to start rising up inside you till nobody can keep it down. You are your rescue. I had no idea what Ando's story was when I sent that to Derek about six weeks ago and said, save this for the next time I preach. And then I preached and he goes, I have that ready. And I go, not tonight. And then Ando, I didn't know his full testimony. Did you hear what he said? He had the culture to stay in. He had his pride. He had retaliation. When you understand the Armenian culture, all that, all that stuff he was talking about and that little monotone kind of voice, you understand the fierce passion that's in that man. You are your rescue. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what's ever been said over you. And before we go any further, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the kingdom in the flesh, I break off every lie, word curse, and accusation that's ever been spoken over you. I break the power of every Bible verse that's ever been spoken over you and witchcraft to manipulate or control you. I free your core identity to be able to take in what God Almighty has to say to you. Because you are powerful. You can be as powerful as you want to be. I want to talk to you about intentionality tonight. I love this lady because she said, I am my own rescue. And I'm not talking to you about something that I have all figured out. I'm actually talking to you about something that God's been talking to me about at a completely different level in my own life. He's like, Eric, you're 59 years old. And you have, you don't even know what your own dreams are very well. One of my sons, I have a bunch of adopted sons and daughters. One of them's name is Eric Bagley, and he married this amazing woman named Kate. And she said to me three years ago, Eric, she's getting to know me, and this is her kind of getting to know you talk. Eric, what's your dream? And I said, oh, I want to help all my sons and daughters fulfill their dreams. And she goes, nope, that's not good enough. That's how she was getting to know me. And I was like, mm, Dalton. You know, because I thought that sounded like such a noble. And I meant it. I mean, that's really always been my dream. But what God has been saying to me as my father is, you have dreams. People have been speaking things over you. You have prophetic words that you have never done anything with because you're always chasing, trying to make sure your sons and daughters achieve their dreams. And what I've been realizing lately is I have to go after mine to have more authority to help them go where they're going. Because I have some, we have amazing people right here in this, in this building. In this room tonight, we have somebody who's probably going to make $200,000 this year. But it's not the money that makes him big, a big deal. It's all of the little bitty choices that he has in a cold-blooded manner, which has cost him everything. The same thing Ando was talking about. I got to make these kind of choices. 
So I just want to tell you, any of you who have the courage, and when you don't, ask Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's, it's the God who causes us to will and to want to do his good pleasure. So many times, I don't want to do his good pleasure. I want to do what I want to do. And somebody approaches me and I'm like, you are the stupidest human being on the face of the earth. Get away from me. And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, really? I sent them to you, and you're talking to me like that. I'm like, oh, my bad. Let me back on up here and be nice. Sometimes the choices that you make to follow the will of God are going to be that unusual. I, uh, I asked Brett's permission to uh, tell this story tonight. Um, Brett Shoemaker came to, he started coming to Epic Life, and he was a youth pastor up in Pollock Pines. And the Holy Spirit told me to get to know him. So we did, and Shaddy and I took him to lunch one day. And um, I, like I told you, I have a bunch of adopted sons and daughters, and I used to live in a house uh, about 10 minutes from here, and all of them got a key. Well, you can imagine what that felt like after a while. I didn't know what I was doing, but after a while, you got 40 keys. You can be on your way downstairs to get coffee. You just got up, and somebody's in your front door. I didn't like that so much. So I moved to a different house, and when I moved to a different house, nobody got a key. And I loved it. I totally loved it. And so Shaddy and I go to lunch with Brett, and Holy Spirit tells me, give Brett a key. And sometimes when Holy Spirit talks to me, because I'm one of the slower children that God has, he like shakes me. And so he tells me that, and I shake. And I told the Holy Spirit, no, I am not giving him a key. And so we're talking, and they don't even know. And so we're talking. And I also sometimes, I know it sounds weird, but it's just like, Sometimes when the Holy Spirit's on me, I make noise, like I'll shout or something. And um, I did it that time. So then the Holy Spirit's like, I said, give him a key. And I'm like, no. I am not giving him a key to my house. That season is over. And I made a little louder noise. It's kind of like Holy Spirit, you know. Anyway, and so... The third time, it's like getting, and he told me a third time, I said, give him a key. And I'm like, all right, I'll give him a key. Because it was getting where people, you know, they're like, oh, he has Tourette's. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And so if I don't say anything, I don't even want to talk about it. But I tell Shaddy, I'm like, hey, on our way back to drop bread off at church, let's run by and get a key. I mean, let's run by the house. And he goes, I knew you were going to give him a key. I'm like, how did you know I was going to give him a key? I don't give keys. So I'm like, but in my voice tone, like, I'm like, here, Brett, the Holy Spirit told me to give you a key. Well, of course, that kind of freaks him out because he's not really, well, that's part of the story. So he moves. <laughs> I'm getting to know him. He decides he's going to move down here and figure out some stuff with God and work in the, the secular. So he came out of pastoring. And eventually, he decides he's going to live with us. We have another room. He's going to move in with us. And we were like, I, I thought it would be awesome. 
He thought it'd be awesome too, until he moved in with us. Brett's an introvert. Actually, I think all of us are introverts in the house, but he, he was more of an introvert than the rest of us. If you've ever been to our house for DNA or anything, you know that we have a lot of people in our house. Brett hadn't really taken that into consideration. Another thing, whenever we're all like living together, if something comes up, we talk about it. Brett had never really grown up like that. So he wasn't used to that either. And he told me, it's like, you have to be ready for a real conversation at any time. There's no time to prepare. I'm like, yeah, that's what family's like, Brett. He's like, oh my gosh. So things build up a little bit. We have family night once a month. We have a family night and he lets us know I'm moving out. And he goes, stand up, Brian. So we're all kind of sitting around the table and he goes, the guys, we all are like, why are you moving out? He goes, well, it's really not that big a deal, but I'm really moving out because of you. And he does his finger in my face, almost that close. Well, I have this thing going on back here in my, you know, how I talk to God. I'm like, what did I tell you? You are like. And then I stop. But I'm like, you don't know what you're doing, obviously. He, did you see the finger in my nose? He almost picked it. He's moving out. And he's sick of me. Great job, Jesus. And so, but I, on the outside, I'm like, cool. And so he moves out. We help him move out and maintained a good relationship. But I'm like, okay, I can take a hint. So I kind of backed up out of his life. And about six weeks later, I would hug him here at Epic Life or whatever. You couldn't tell if you, that anything, you know, had happened that was kind of awkward in his moving out. But I, my heart was hurt because I really love him, and I obeyed the Holy Spirit, and look what turned out. Not only did it move out, but it's because of you. And so every time that would read, I was like, oh, man, this really sucks. But I got to be big here. And so he, he uh, started reading this book, and he texted me this paragraph. And it was it's actually a paragraph that I had told him that really made him mad at me. It was a paragraph about that. And I was like, that's weird. Because he's like saying, you know, actually, the stuff you talked to me about, here. And then in about six weeks, one day, he sent me this thing. And he goes, Pops, we have to start getting together every week. And so you know the emoticon that goes like this? That's the one I sent him. And I'm like, is this Brett? <laughs> and he goes, just meet me for coffee. So we met for coffee, and God had actually shown him some things that made him desire to actually have me in his life <laughs> a little more, more often and to get together on a regular basis. But what God showed me was both of us had to break down our will. Both of us didn't get what we thought we were going to get initially. Both of us had to risk disappointment, and actually both of us got disappointed. Both of us got our hearts hurt. And both of us moved beyond all those things to obey what God was showing us. And that's what I want to just encourage you with tonight, because if you don't know, 
There's a story in Genesis 25, 29 through 34, and I actually met with Brett for coffee, and he sends me this thought afterwards, and he goes, uh, here, I think this should go in your sermon. I won't be offended if you don't use it, but it won't be as good as it could have been if you don't. <laughs> He's really humble. That's one of the things I love about him. Uh, Genesis 25, 20, uh, 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came from, in from the open country, famished. So Jacob's cooking, Esau's famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Do you know what a birthright is? That's what you get as a result of your birth. Like if you're a prince, you know, you better treat me right. Because you know who the next king's going to be? Me. I'm a prince, and I become the king. But for a lot of us, it's not that obvious. It wasn't that obvious for Esau, but Jacob had a, he knew what was up. Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Because when you're the firstborn son, you get the biggest slice of the pie. Everybody else gets a little something-something, but it ain't much. You're the firstborn, you got a birthright. Jacob replied, first tell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate, drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. And I just want to suggest to you, many of you don't know what your birthright is. And so it's really easy to eat stew all over the place. It's hard for many of us to figure out who are we? What is the purpose for which I was born? I want to read you the definition of purpose. Purpose is the reason for which something exists or is done, made, or used. It's an intended or desired result, end, aim, goal, determination, or resoluteness. People are always asking, what's my purpose? What was I born for? I want to ask you, do you know what your purpose is? Why were you born? Intention is an act or instance of determining mentality upon some action or result. It's the end or object intended purpose. And so I want to suggest to you, you will never know your purpose unless you begin to become a very intentional person. For millennials, that's hard. Um, today, I heard Scott Hagen say, 13 seconds is the average attention span right now for millennials. Those who, according to USA Today, those who can focus longer than seven minutes will be the ones who run the world. I had somebody tell me recently, you need to reinvent Epic Life. Because millennials, they can't pay attention that long. 
But I want to challenge you. I believe that you can. In fact, I believe that you better learn. It's a matter of discipline. You're used to being entertained. So was I for a long, long time. But if all you know how to do is entertain yourself and your attention span is just like this and you're here and here and here and here, you will never develop the character nor the depth as a person, that inner substance to truly become a powerful man or woman in the kingdom. And that is every person's destiny. Uh, my spiritual father is an 82-year-old man named Deltar. He's one of the smartest men I know. I met with him yesterday, and I told him what I was going to preach about. And he goes, oh, he goes, intentionality is the opposite of fear. I'm like, what? You've got to risk and be willing to lose. Everything in our spiritual walk is related to loss. I'm reading, I, I literally typed it into my phone as he said it. You have to lose your pride. You have to say these words, forgive me, I was wrong. Scott Hagen said today, most millennials think that their relationship with Christ started when their passion was released. What that means is, oh, this is what I could go do as a Christian. Your salvation starts the day you say, I am a sinner. Forgive me. Del Tar said, you have to be willing to become foolish. Ando, in the light of his environment, his surroundings, is pretty foolish. That's weak. You take a beat down like that, and then you walk up to somebody in Starbucks, and you say, I forgive you? <laughs> what kind of a man is that? That's a powerful man of God. That's a person that God can trust with anointing. So let me ask you, what things are you doing to very intentionally develop what it takes to have character and substance as a man or woman of God? And John, if you could pass out those sheets wherever you are. If you, yeah. I have something called Transformation One-to-One. -one. Many of you have already had it. If you've never seen it, just raise your hand because we want to put them in all of your hands who've never seen it before. And while they're, while they're passing those out to those of you who haven't had it, I just want to talk. I'm cutting a lot of things short tonight. But I want to talk to you about some intentional things that I've done and am doing because what God's been telling me is, just pass them out real quick, guys, whoever does, has their hand up. What God's been telling me is, I want to do something new in you. I feel like I'm starting over. I actually feel like I don't know what I'm doing about half the time. I'm totally out of my comfort zone. It's a great place to be. 
right here. I need two right here. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So these are some of the things that I've done. You can write on the back of this. Or I've been reading my Bible like Eric's been talking about and preaching about. I'm actually listening when I pray instead of talking all the time. I'm being silent. And then writing what comes to me. I'm learning the difference between the voice of the enemy and daddy God. When I break those Bible verses off you that have been used for witchcraft, witchcraft is manipulation and control. And for many of us, it's hard for us to read the Bible because when we read it, we hear other people's voices in our heads and it's not the Holy Spirit because it makes us feel hopeless, down, and depressed. Anytime you hear anything in your head that sounds like that, that's not Holy Spirit. I've been taking notes on what he tells me. I've always taught about circles of covenant. I've actually been forming covenant relationships and living within that circle where I'm known. It's intimidating to be known. It's very interesting watching my own struggle with being known. And now I actually get direction sometimes from my sons and daughters. I'm learning to ask this question. Is there anything in my life that you can see that I'm unaware of and I need to know? And I don't ask people who know me as Eric, the epic life leader. I ask the people that I live with who've seen me ugly and great, too. Sometimes what I need to know is good things about myself, and I am unaware of them. It's not always negative. It's encouraging. I'm reading uh, books more. I've come back to that. I'm reading a book called Scary Close by Don Miller that's been super powerful. It's not a one, two, three, here's how you do it book. It's just him talking about exploring relationships. And all the, it's making me think of a lot of things. And it makes me want to cry a lot, too. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm a part of small groups. I actually lead DNA. And two weeks ago, the Holy Spirit was like, uh-uh. I'm getting ready to walk in. He goes, uh-uh. This is not business as usual. You're not facilitating a small group. You're leading them in an encounter with me. Pay attention. I was like, all right. You get prophetic words. I record them. I listen to them. And then I ask myself, what do I have to do to see those prophetic words become true? And I use these transformation one-to-one tools. Tara, let me see that for a sec. I'm just going to point out a couple of things. If you look in the identity focus, there's a five-fold ministry test on this website. There's a spiritual gifts test that you can take. There's a strength finders test. There's a five love languages. Those four things alone would give you a ton of information about yourself. It would tell you what your spiritual gifts are. 
Because if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, it's really hard to know. Where would I fit at Epic Life? If you can't figure any of that out, just come and see me. Or Dale, Dale, raise your hand. Oh, is he outside? John Nye, are you in the building? Oh, there's Dale back at the back. Where's John Nye? Stand up. Right there, back in the back. <laughs> any of those guys could help you find a place to serve. I just encourage you guys tonight, you are your rescue. Ando went to church, but it wasn't until he got serious and God, he, he kept trying to tell God how it was going to be, kind of like me and giving Brett a key. Uh, no. And God's like, oh, really? Okay. Well, let me allow you to go to jail for six months or three months, or whatever it was, just so you can really learn to hear my voice. God's pursuing you. And we are a people at Epic Life who are pursuing him. I just want to encourage you to, to have the courage to make a resolve inside yourself. And it doesn't mean, I know I'm going to be able to do this, I just make every day, it's like, God, these things you're showing me that made me feel really nervous and sometimes sick of my stomach or make me want to say no, just help me to do these today. Your Bible, your word says you cause me to will and want. I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. I, my spirit man wants to, but it means I have to look stupid. It means I have to step away from some friends. You know, some Christians aren't good for you to run around with. They're going to hold you back. Because they're not going to be willing to pay the price that you're willing to pay. And it takes courage. You got to know who you are to step away. And sometimes you don't know who you are, but you got to believe in what the Holy Spirit's telling you about yourself. Oh. And what your future could look like if you just had the courage to do it. Have courage. You are your own rescue. Yes, Holy Spirit comes in on top of it. It's God that does the work inside of me, but you have to decide, are you going to do it? Because he had everything that he's been telling Ando in the last year, he could have been telling him 10, 12 years ago. The things he's doing in my life right now that make me feel all shaky on the inside, I could have been getting this some time ago. I just didn't want to get there. And in the last couple of months, I've been looking at my life, and I'm like, uh-uh, no. This is not, I'm going to end better than this. So I just encourage you tonight, if the worship band could come up. And um, I think I'm just going to ask you all to stand. What are you willing to intentionally do? What's Holy Spirit been talking to you about? You may not even realize it's his voice. It's this thought that won't leave you alone. It's kind of like Nicole said tonight before she came, 
Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit was like, you should go in Chipotle. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to go get some pizza. I don't have time. And she gets here. There's no pizza. <laughs> she goes, I knew I should have listened. It may just be a, a thought that just won't let you, leave you alone. What's Holy Spirit saying to you? Just try him. Have the courage to resolve. If you've been coming here six or seven years, you don't have it all figured out. In fact, you may be in the most dangerous place of any of us. Because you get settled in your little box. Oh, I'm comfortable doing that. I'll just do this till Jesus comes or I have a baby or, you know, somebody finally proposes or, you know. No, God made you for more than that. You have a powerful destiny. So if our prayer team could come forward, you guys, we just want to pray with you. If there's anything that's keeping you from doing what God's called you to do, let us pray with you. Because there's power in prayer. So many awesome things can happen in your life. God has a purpose. Mix it with your intentionality and your resolve and see what he won't do for you. Thank you for coming tonight. We're going to pray at the front. We're going to worship some. Having friends is as important as praying at the front, so we're also going to talk in the back. So whatever you're here for tonight, sometimes you need friends more than you need prayer. Feel free to get what you came for. And thanks so much for coming. We'll see you next week.